Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All righty, I want to welcome everybody at our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, and, 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 and get ready to cheer a little bit. Welcome everyone at our Pearland campus. Welcome everybody at our Pearland campus. Now, they're not actually having services to open for the public yet. But uh, there are some volunteers there today that are getting their feet under them and uh, figuring out the uh, geography of that building and so forth and are going to be doing so for the next little bit. So kind of like soft openings there uh, as we get ready. But anyway, awesome. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church family. Amen to that. So we're going to be in John 6 today. If you have your Bible or a device in, on which you're going to uh, follow along in the Scripture with us today, as always, the words will be on the screen. Uh, next week, we're going to break from our uh, study of the book of John and turn our attention to Christmas. The series is entitled, Let Go Christmas. <laughs> Any Lego fans? Yeah, okay. Anybody like stepping on them? Uh, <clears throat> Now, we usually think of Christmas as a time to get, but I'm going to tell you the best gift that you can give yourself this Christmas could be to let go of some things. And uh, so that's what this series is about, going all the way back to the original Christmas story. We're going to talk about some things to let go of this Christmas season and this next year. So uh, that series is going to take us right up to Christmas Eve, which I cannot wait for. But join us beginning next weekend uh, for Let Go Christmas. Uh, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to finish up this series that we've been in for the past five weeks. Um, uh, we're not done with John yet, by the way. This is, has just been a series within a series of series as we study our way through the book of John. We did take a little break last weekend for our post Thanksgiving sermon. Uh, but two weeks ago, we were in the book of John in chapter five, where Jesus healed the man who'd been unable to move around, unable to walk for 38 years. And uh, Jesus healed him on the Sabbath, which, which was a violation of one of the man-made laws of the Sabbath. Um, uh, they made the religious leaders mad, by the way, very, very mad. And then they confronted Jesus and, and were more angry. Uh, somebody asked me, how angry were they? Thank you for asking. Uh, John chapter 5, this is after he healed the guy. They confront him. So kind of tag it on to two weeks ago. Verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to what? That's how mad they were. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. <clears throat> so the point of that miracle. By the way, did you know that there's a point to every miracle that Jesus did? There's a point. He didn't just do miracles just for the sake of doing miracles. The miracles were pointing somewhere. The miracles were pointing uh, to him. But these people were so hyper-focused on the miracles, on the signs, that they missed the point of the signs. In fact, uh, three different occasions that we've studied so far in the book of John, we've seen people who were friendly to Jesus, really friendly to Jesus, but Jesus kind of got onto them when he sensed that they were more into the signs than they were interested in him. Now, 
Why did John write down what he wrote down? John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he told us why he wrote down everything that he put into his book. He said, these things I write that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and by believing you may have life in his name. That's eternal life. That's life abundantly. That's the Zoe kind of life, which is a better quality of life. He said, so that you can have life in his name. So we're supposed to believe in him. So the miracles are supposed to point us to Jesus. And I'm, I'm just introducing today's text. And the reason I'm doing it as I'm doing it right now, uh, the reason I'm making the introduction this way is because today we're going to talk about a big sign, a big sign. And when I say that, it's, a, it's the only miracle that is included in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, it's a big sign. <clears throat> and the sign is the feeding of the 5,000. Only miracle of Jesus, if you ever get into an intense game of Bible trivia, you're going to win with this one right here. Only miracle of Jesus that's included in all four of the gospel accounts of Jesus' earthly ministry. And uh, this sign was pointing somewhere, and we're going to see where Jesus was pointing when he did this sign today, but we're also going to do this. Which is, this is, this is I, I love the Bible, and I love teaching the Bible, but one of the reasons is because there's always a bigger story. Um, there's always an upper story. We called it back during when we did a, a series called The Story. There's always an upper story, which is Jesus' rescue mission to mankind on this earth. God sending his son Jesus. That's the bigger story that goes all through the Bible from beginning to end. But then there's a lower story of the individual moments that we find in the Bible, Jesus' interactions with people, his miracles, and so forth. But also, also, we are part of that lower story as the church in the church age now. We are part of the lower story. His, his big story and his life is still changing us and, and helping us today. So we're, we're in the story too. And that's what I love about this, that we're going to talk about the, 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 the miracle today or the sign that Jesus did, but we're going to see how it affects us as well today. So uh, you ready for this? Everybody ready? John chapter 6, let's start at verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also uh, called the Sea of Tiberias, which is also called Lake Gennesaret, which is also, I don't know how many names it has, but... A few names, and a large crowd was following him. Uh, why were they following Jesus? Uh, this is good. Isn't it good for people to follow Jesus? Yeah. Okay, it's good. But they're following him for the wrong reasons. They're following, him, they're following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So they're following him, literally following him, physically following him, geographically following him, not because they are believing him as the Son of God, the Messiah, and looking for life in his name, but because they want to see him do some things. They're following him because of the signs, and uh, they're not committed to him, as we're going to see later in this chapter, but they're following him because they want to see him do stuff, okay? <clears throat> Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that he had a large crowd of people coming at him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat. So, large crowd. Uh, we're going to find out in a few moments, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They did not count women and children back in the day. Don't be offended by that. 
But uh, so there's, I don't know how many people, 10,000 people or more that are following him. And it's late in the day, as we're going to see in the text in just a moment as well. They haven't eaten. There's no food around. So you got a lot of hungry people, thousands of hungry people coming toward you. Okay. How many of you, when you get a little hungry, you get a little hangry? Anybody get hangry? You want to admit that today in church? Confession is good for the soul. Okay, how many of you are seated next to someone who gets a little hangry, but they didn't raise their hand just now, and you want to you confess for them? Thank you, thank you. They already know it. They already know it, so it's good anyway. Uh, so imagine you've got thousands upon thousands of hungry people coming at you, probably a lot of hangry people in the crowd, and Jesus throws out a question to Philip. He says, where are we going to get bread for all these people? Now, if Jesus were here today in a similar circumstance and he was talking to us, he might say, where's the nearest Costco, you know, or something like that. But he throws this question out to Philip, and now the disciples have entered the chat to to try to figure out a solution. Then this is John's take so far on what has happened. Now, let's go to one of the other Gospels. Let's head over to Mark chapter 6. Mark, who also records this uh, this sign, this miracle, this is verse 35 and 36. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they may go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So according to Mark, the disciples' solution to the problem that they were encountering was get rid of the people. No people, no problems. (laughs) There's another side of that coin. Mo people, mo problems. <laughs> you know, you know By the way, begin, uh, back at the beginning of the pandemic, which I don't mean to bring up, you know, that kind of a memory, but during the, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, everything was shutting down. The very first thing that I remember that kind of caught my breath was when they shut down the rodeo. Do you remember that day? They shut down the rodeo. I was like, what is happening? And they shut down uh, the NCAA tournament, Final Four, all that shut down, and, <clears throat> and then uh, schools and churches. We were shut down for a while. I read yesterday um, that uh, they shut down the beaches in Galveston. That's something that I had not read before, but they shut down. You couldn't even go to the beach in Galveston at the beginning of the pandemic. And hey, I'm going to go on record right now and say, we're not shutting down again. Just so in case you wonder, we're not shutting down again. And I will tell you back when everything was closed though, our building stayed so clean. They were pristine, man. The the buildings were so beautiful and uh, no trash anywhere, nothing in the seat back pockets. Some of you, you know, never mind, never mind. Um, No donut residual, no, for a Thursday night crowd, no pepperoni under the seats or I mean, just clean. No dirty diapers. No, we didn't have to have dumpster service because there was no trash being produced by our church family. There was nobody coming down front for prayer. Nobody in crisis mode. And I hated it. I hated it. Now, I will admit when you all come, you make a mess. I'll admit that. And sometimes, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes people come to church and they've got problems. 
And sometimes people come to church and they're in crisis mode and sometimes it's messy and sometimes people really do need prayer. That's just how it is. And I love it. I love it. You know why? Because the church is the people. The church is the people. Ever since Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, his followers have been meeting together like this for the purpose of worshiping him, of taking communion together, of reading and studying his word and fellowshipping and on and on the list goes. But we typically think of the place where those people meet as being a church, but the truth is it's a building for the church. I say that because the people are the church. I mean, you can have the nicest building in town, but without people, it's just an empty, lifeless structure. But you take a building, even one that's been empty for a while, and you put God's people in it, and wow, something amazing begins to happen. That building comes to life with the joy of the Lord. Amen? And that's why this is never the solution. When people show up hungry, hungry for solutions, hungry for answers, they come with a hunger in their soul. Some of them, you know, might be a little hangry, and that's okay. And ministry's not always easy, and that's okay. And it does make a mess, that's okay. And sometimes even the situations are messy, but that's okay because it is a blessed honor to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and do the work that he's called us to do in his name. And I love it, and I love this church family. So Jesus has just asked the question, where are we going to buy enough bread for all these people? In verse 6 of John 6, uh, uh, John tells us why Jesus asked the question. Back over to John now. Jesus said this to what? To test him, for he himself knew what he would do. That's because Jesus always has a plan. Jesus always has an answer. So if Jesus already knew what he was going to do, why is he messing with Philip? (laughs) Well, he's not actually messing with him. He's teaching him. And Philip is learning. And I know that Philip was not there yet. He hasn't passed the test yet because of the way that he answered. This is verse 7. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So he's doing math now. And um, this is approximately a year's wages for a worker. He's like, man, that's a lot of money. And we don't have that much money. And even if we did and we spent the money to get bread, People are not going to get enough. It's going to be like only one basket at the Mexican restaurant, one basket of chips at the Mexican restaurant. It's not enough. How many, know, how many of you know that's not enough? <laughs> so it's panic mode. The disciples are looking for solutions. They're supposed to be, you know, helping with the, the issue here, giving good input, but they are suggesting getting rid of the problem by getting rid of the people. They're worried about the costs. They're worried about logistics. They're worried about supply chain issues or whatever else. And Jesus is over there. Hey, 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 I got your solution. I am the solution. Yoo-hoo. Look at me, look at me. But they're looking everywhere else for the answer. This is a test. 
Jesus is giving his disciples some on-the-job training, and hopefully he's giving us some training as we look at this text today, too. Hopefully we're going to know after today where to look for the answer. So if you're taking notes, I've got three quick things for you today. First one is this. <clears throat> when the problem is too big, you're actually in a good place. You're actually in a good place. And it may not feel like a good place. And I've been here, and it's not a good place. It doesn't feel like a good place. And it's not a fun place for sure. But it's a good place. And I say that because when you're encountering a problem that is bigger than you, then you have to depend on God. If you're the kind of a person that just gets up in the morning and you just jump on your to-do list without even taking a moment to uh, maybe pray, to ask God for help, to direct you, to correct you, to empower you, to give you wisdom, to maybe even stop you if you're going the wrong direction, then this truth is a life changer. Why? Because sometimes the problem is too big. We need, therefore, to look to God. I don't know if you know this, but uh, this is false. God will never give you more than you can handle. I've heard people say it, but it's false. It's not true. God gave me more than I can handle this morning. How many, how many of you know that God will give you more than you can handle? Now, some of you are like, I don't know. Is this a trick question? Not really. <laughs> God will give us more than we can handle because he wants us to learn to depend on him. Our reflex when we have a problem is that we start doing math. We start looking at the uh, logistical issues. We start thinking about how we can send the people away. How, how we can make it work, how we can solve the problem. And Jesus, the whole time, is over there saying, hey, 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 over here, I got your solution. I am the answer. I already have a plan if you'll rely on me. Maybe you're thinking, you got a, you got a, a, a text for that, Pastor? You got a Bible verse for that? I do. In fact, I got a few. Here's one. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, we do not, this is the Apostle Paul when he ran into a situation that was bigger than him, okay? He says, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. Now, Paul says, the point of having more than we could bear was so that they would learn to exercise that spiritual muscle, not relying on themselves, but on God. And if you're in a situation right now that is bigger than you, and somebody listening right now is in a situation like that, if that's you, then you are actually in a place where you can learn something that all of us need to learn eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, and that is this. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has the solution. Jesus already has in mind what he is going to do, and Jesus just needs us to rely on him. And so I'm going to suggest something. Today, for all of us, whether we're in a situation of uh, facing a problem that's bigger than ourselves uh, right now or not, how about we do this? How about we just start the day sometime in the morning with a prayer and we just acknowledge Jesus for who he is? We just 
we just admit that we don't have the power, the wisdom, the strength, whatever it is, to, to, to do what needs to be done, and we ask him for help. Amen. We do what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We don't trust in ourselves. We trust in him. Amen. And when we trust in him with all of our heart, the Bible says that he will make our paths straight. You want straight paths? Don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. Secondly, when the problem is too big, God may want to use you to help deliver a miracle. When the problem is too big, God may want to use you to help deliver a miracle. Here's what I mean by that. There are people around you right now in your life who need God to show up. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes God wants to use you and I to help to deliver a miracle in their life. Now, maybe you think, wait, wait, me, we, I thought Jesus was the one who did the miracles. I thought Jesus was the one who delivered the miracles. Uh, he is, he is, he is, 100%. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. He's talking about his followers, we are the body of Christ, which means that even though God is going to do it, sometimes he uses us to deliver the answer. We are his body, we are his hands, we are his feet. Now, as, as I said in the introduction today, we're getting closer to opening up our Pearland campus and we're not quite there yet. We are uh, patiently, patiently, so patiently, um, uh, awaiting the uh, blessing of the fire marshal, I believe, and uh, patiently waiting. And uh, what's cool is that God has already given us his blessing, so we know it's only a matter of time before we're able to open up. Uh, and when it happens, I just want you to know something. This campus, this campus is a miracle. It's a miracle, as are all of our campuses. But just let me tell you about this one right now. The whole story of how we got this property 24 years ago. Some of you don't know this, but uh, you know, maybe you're brand new with this. This will be our fifth physical campus right here. And uh, we, this is really our first campus. 24 years ago, we purchased this property. 24 years ago. We were looking for 10 acres. We said we would take five. Uh, because we were just desperate that we'd been meeting in schools and strip malls and everywhere else. We, uh, I saw the sign on this property, made some phone calls, got in touch with the owner. It was owned by two different people. One guy owned the front five acres, the frontage, five acres. His brother owned the back 17 and a half. I called him and spoke with him and, and said, here's who I am and this is what we're trying to do. And, and after talking with him for a little bit, he says this. He says, it's amazing that you are calling. He said, because my wife and I are from that area. We now live out of state. And we've been praying about how we might help a church back in our old stomping grounds. We want to give you our land. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was the front five acres. <clears throat> that was the front five acres. I called his brother then who owned the back 17 and a half. Not as generous, but... Uh, <clears throat> But still, he gave us a great deal, about half the price that land was going for at the time, so we were forever thankful to him as well. So that immediately accelerated the plans that we had, because we thought it was going to be three years, we're going to buy land, and then three years to save up for a building, and so five or six years from a building, 
we then went to the bank and started asking for a loan for, uh, so that we could build our first building on that property. Uh, they wanted us to have $250,000 in cash on deposit at the bank as collateral that they could take from us if anything happened. We didn't have $250,000 in cash. So someone in our church, a couple in our church, generously put their money, their personal money, $250,000 on deposit at the bank the entire time that we had the loan on that property so that we could get a loan, so that we could build our first building, and kind of the rest is history. No, it's not, because the history is still happening. Um, yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so we sold that property 16 years ago. 16 years ago, we sold it, uh, opened up the 288 campus. Um, uh, we sold it to another church who's been in it for the past 16 years. Uh, they, they uh, I'm not going to get into their business, but they stopped having services during COVID and never, never restarted it. it. That was the kind of the end of things for them. And, and um, so we purchased it back from them for cash, for cash. And we're renovating it and updating it. It's going to be a modern facility with everything that we need in it, and we're doing so without any debt whatsoever. And, and if you're brand new or kind of new with this, and you're like, how did that happen? How did that happen? I, I, I'll tell you how it happened. God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. And I'll say that till my dying day. But you look a little closer, and here's the story. God did it through faithful people. God did it through faithful people. And I just want to say thank you to our givers. You know, we, we give shout-outs to all of our staff and all of our ministry teams, New Hope Kids, New Hope Students, Connections. We're always talking about how wonderful our people are. We never really do that for the givers because it's kind of one of those subjects like, do we— do we clap for a giver or not? It's supposed to be a, but I want to do it today. Thank you, God, and thank you, people who give at this church. Thank you. So, God does it often through people. I'm sure God could do it himself, whatever he wants to do, but sometimes he uses this tact with us. It's, it's like he said in the Gospels, no, you feed them. No, you feed them. Send the people away. No, no. You feed them, and then he provides the food. You feed them, and then he provides the food. And here's where it gets fun. Sometimes you and I get to deliver the miracle. Church family, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to be open to God's leading and to the leading of his spirit. Because there, if there, there might be somebody in your life, on your street, at your work, in your orbit of influence right now, who really needs God to show up. And if God puts it on your heart to, I'm not even going to say anything here. I'm, not, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit be the one that prompts you, because I'm afraid if I say something specific that you'll think that that's a word from God for you, for that person. But whatever God puts on your heart, listen to him. Because what might be happening at that moment is God has chosen you to deliver a miracle that he already has in his mind that he wants to do, but you get to help. How exciting is that? Yeah. Then number three, 
When the problem is too big, God always starts with what you have. God always starts with what you have. Now, I know that there are people who are waiting until like some imaginary someday happens out here, and then, man, they're going to get serious for the Lord. Like, uh, and then I'm going to use what I have for the Lord then. Like when, here, here, here's a for instance. When I win the Powerball, <laughs> I am, the Lord is going to get a lot. You know, <laughs> when that happens or, or uh, uh, by the way, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that, like uh, the lottery or something, if we just had all those dollars, we would get another campus, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. But when, when I win the lottery or when, when my business takes off or when I get my degree or when I make my first million or when we get into the newer house or a bigger house or whatever, then we're going to use that for the Lord. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble today, but the truth is if you're not using what you have right now for the Lord, you won't then either. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible says that God actually knows who will be faithful with more because he watches to see what people do with little, which is awesome because that means even if we only have a little bit in our life right now, that God can do big things with it because God always starts with what you have, always. Back to John 6. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves, so five little loaves of bread and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus was like, bingo, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Again, they didn't count the women and children back in the day. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Five loaves, two fish, not enough for me personally when I'm hangry. <laughs> Be a good appetizer. But more than enough for God to do a miracle. Why? Because little becomes much when we place it in Jesus' hands. He takes what we're willing to entrust to him, and he multiplies it. Verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And when they did, coincidence, I don't think so, but when they did, they came back with 12 baskets full of leftovers. How many disciples were there? Twelve. They all got to take home a, a doggy basket. <laughs> That's pretty wild that Jesus took this little tiny lunch and did something so amazing to feed thousands. Listen to me. Don't underestimate what God can do with a little bit that's entrusted to him. I've always thought there had to be more food in that crowd because people don't, a lot of times, don't come empty-handed, right? I mean, I'm just going to say at all of our campuses right now, if the ladies would open your purses right now, we could probably feed the whole, I mean, well, let me say, I'm saying that based on my wife when our kids were little, she had enough goldfish in her purse we could eat for three days. Like, if the minivan ran off the road into a ditch, we'd be okay until they came to get us from... But, but Jesus didn't use that. 
He didn't use what wasn't entrusted to him. Only what was entrusted to him was blessed by him. And, and, and here we go. Here's the point. You want your life to be blessed by Jesus? Entrust your life to Jesus. Now, after this, Jesus headed back to Capernaum, his chosen hometown. And some people who were at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 plus uh, tracked him down in Capernaum. And, and you're going to be amazed at what they asked him. This is the story after the sign, okay? They said to Jesus, then what sign do you do? Like, do some tricks for us that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? So, follow me here. They had the miracle meal, but the miracle meal was just one meal. In fact, in verse 34, not on the screen, but in verse 34, they said, Moses gave our ancestors manna from heaven, bread from heaven in the wilderness. How about you do that all the time? Give us this bread all of the time. They, they were stuck on stomach. Jesus was talking about their soul. They were talking about the temporary. He was talking about the eternal. In verse 35, Jesus said, you guys don't get it. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He says, you guys are, you guys are missing the point. I am the point. I'm the solution. I'm what you're looking for. If you want real life, if you want life to the fullest, if you want everlasting life, I'm the answer. But that, my friends, was not good enough for these people. Because not too many verses after that, it's actually John chapter 6, verse 66. It says, many of those who followed Jesus turned back and followed him no longer from that point on. Because they wanted, they wanted this kind of bread. <laughs> he was talking about this kind of bread. He said, consume me, take me in, and, and, and then you'll have life eternal. You'll have life abundantly. And, and they missed the point. They missed the point of the sign and went away. Listen to me. It's all a test. Do you know that? Life is a test. Whatever happened to you this week, it's a test. Whatever happens to you uh, in, the, in the months to come, it's a test. Life is a test. Tough times are a test. If you have a big problem in front of you right now, it's really a test. What's the answer? The answer is, you should know this by now. What's the answer? Jesus, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. And, and he not only is the answer, he has the answer. He already has in mind what he wants to do in your life at this point. He needs you to rely on him. And for that person who is with us today, who maybe you're outside of the family of God, uh, maybe you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Maybe, maybe you're trying uh, to partake of the world and you've consumed what the world has to offer, trying to satisfy the hunger in your soul. Maybe for someone today, you're caught deep in sin right now because you've believed a lie that has taken you down a road that you cannot escape from. If that's you, I want you to know something. There's hope today. His name is Jesus, Amen. and he's the answer. He's the answer. 
Um, nothing in this world will satisfy you. Nothing in this world will remove the sin from your record, remove the shame from your heart, remove the guilt that you have on your conscience. Nothing except Jesus. He's the bread of life. Every other meal that we partake of in this life is temporary. But what Jesus gives us through himself and what he did for us on the cross is eternal. You want to find life? You want to find life abundantly, a better quality of life, a more, uh, a more richness to your life, more satisfaction in the day-to-day, -day, and life everlasting? I got your answer. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Get to know him. Well, just stand with me, please. Okay, as always, we're going to have prayer partners down at the front of the room. If you need to make a decision for Christ today, if you have not accepted him, do that, do that, do that today. If you need to rededicate, you can do that as well. Um, if you just need prayer for something going on in your life, maybe you do have one of those big problems in front of you right now, uh, we will be more than happy to pray for you today before you leave this place. Let's bow. God, thank you for the answer. Your son. And I pray that all of us could walk in dependence on him, Lord, knowing that he's got our back, that he's going to take care of us, that he's watching over us. And, and Lord, thank you for what he has done for us on the cross, dying in our place to, so that our sins could be forgiven and taken away. I pray that you would continue to bless and watch over our church family, do good things, Lord, in us and through us. I pray all of this. In the powerful name of Jesus and all the people said, Amen. God bless guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.